I'm David Scandura. And I'm Justice Burkett. And today we're here to find out, is Rambo the greatest movie ever made? It's thinking like that that keeps the world the way it is. Fuck the world. Welcome to The Greatest Movie Ever Made, the show where we watch a movie and tell you if it's the greatest movie ever made. A movie that is so thoroughly entertaining and compelling that while you're watching it, it's the only thing that matters in this world. I'm David Scandura, and I'm joined once again by my co-host and emotional support machete, <laughs> Justice Burkett. <laughs> yes, hello everybody. Here, Very excited to talk about this movie. This fucking movie. This fucking movie that we watched. Uh, we'll, th- we'll get into it, but holy shit do we have one for you today. <laughs> uh, how are you doing, Justice? Uh, I'm doing all right, David. I mean, it's the it's a Monday. We're recording on a Monday. We had actually plans to record this episode back to back with our Lady Hawk episode. By the time Lady Hawk uh, wrapped and we ate some food <laughs> in between records, we like sat down to record this episode, and you and me and the Podmaster were all so wiped that we were like, "Nah, rain check on uh, recording episode three. So we're doing this on a Monday evening. Um, and so I've been <laughs> working my day job all day. Um, so I'm a little I'm a little tired <laughs> compared to Saturday's record. Um, but, you know, not as tired as I would have been if we had actually truly done them back to back. But, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing OK. Just kind of that end of the day on a Monday feeling where I have a, like the whole week of work ahead of me. And it's, uh, you know, skeeving me out a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> but happy to be here talking about this movie with you. I think this will be a nice kind of way to kick off the week. <laughs> uh, how about you, David? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing OK. Um, I am a little tired myself, kind of in the same boat in terms of uh, a little nervous about the work week ahead, but um, much less tired than I was on Saturday. Uh, and afterwards, uh, we went to go see Last Voyage of the Demeter. Yeah, we did. We did. Which, um, yeah, that's that's probably as far as like recent media that yeah. we have consumed. That's that's it for both of us because <laughs> it's only been a couple days since our last record. And we went and saw that together. And I, and I would say, personally, like, you know, we're not doing an episode on Last Voyage of the Demeter. Um, at least, not yet. <laughs> Who knows what the future holds. Um, but I will say, just kind of a very brief uh, no-spoilers review from me, is that um, I think the movie's okay. I think it's pretty good. It's, it's a good, entertaining time. I don't think you need to rush to the theater to see it. By the time this episode drops, it might not even be in uh, most theaters anymore. Um, but I will say, if this pops up on streaming it is worth watching for like one moment in particular alone like there is a moment in this movie that is like worth the price of admission just on its own um overall like kind of a fun little horror romp but man there there's just one scene in this movie that that really really uh earns it it, a watch you know Oh, we got the dogs barking in the background again. That's going to be a consistent thing for as long as we're doing this recording setup. So um, apologies if they're popping up. <laughs> yeah, I thought Last, Last Voyage was a good time. Um, probably once it comes to streaming, knock back a couple of beers and turn off all the lights and have a have a fun time with it. Yeah. Um, I've also been like going through the Mission Impossible series. I, I have previously only seen one through four. And I liked them a lot more this time around. 
and I just watched five last night and five was pretty good. Um, so I'm going to try to work in a viewing of six and then try to go see seven before it leaves our local theater here. I think this might be the last week. There's, it's, I think it's down to like two or three showings because um, it didn't do terribly well at the box office. But um, yeah, I've been enjoying it so far and having a much better time with it than I remember. I, I'm going to I'm gonna out myself again as like the non-cinephile of the two of us, like the, the person who actually is maybe like um, the least qualified person to have a movie podcast and let you know that I have seen zero Mission Impossible movies. I have not seen a single one of those movies. Well, for a long time, I had only seen the first one and I had seen the first one a few times and was kind of disappointed with it. Um, and, and I actually even recently watched one through four, like two or three years ago. That was my first go through of those, those first four movies and didn't like it then either yeah. that first one. Um, but I, I think all of them have basically improved for me on this viewing. And there's a certain point where they pivot to the big over the top, let's strap Tom Cruise to a plane kind of action right just they're, they're just like fuck it we're going balls to the wall we know what we know what this franchise is we yeah. know what the people want yeah the first couple of movies they want it, to see this guy almost die for sure <laughs> the first couple of movies the series is trying to find its footing and i think at a certain point it just becomes like the tom cruise show let's and, try and kill tom cruise and it kind of gets a little better it's and it gets a little bit better for me at that point yeah well, uh, my extent of my uh, experience with that franchise is the N64 video game that I played when I was a child. But beyond that, uh, yeah, it's a it's a gap for me. So maybe we'll cover one of those or, or some of those at, at some point in the future. Um, or, you know, maybe I'll just watch them on my own time. <laughs> so uh, let's get into today's motion picture event. Oh, yeah. Let's dive into it, baby. We're talking about Rambo from 2008, directed by... The man himself, Sylvester Stallone. And this is the fourth movie, and I'm going to start off by just bitching about the naming conventions of this fucking franchise. So the first movie is First Blood. Great title. Excellent title. You see that poster. You see Sly with the red bandana and the machine gun and First Blood in big block letters. And it's like, let's fucking go. Yeah, you're looking at this poster and you're like, oh, there's like a a shredded badass. And it's like, First Blood. And it's like, I'm in. You got me. Yeah. I'm hooked. Uh, The second one's called Rambo colon First Blood Part 2, which I get because I think everyone just started calling First Blood Rambo. And I am a fan of the subtitle colon main title two naming convention right that's that's kind of a rare one that we don't get all that often the third one's just rambo three okay i guess the fourth one is rambo it's just (laughs) rambo but there are at this point two other movies in this franchise called rambo um and people call first blood rambo so i don't know why they didn't i mean i guess like at this point we're at the uh, i think like Hollywood is afraid of naming sequels with numbers after a certain point. And especially now, nowadays we're getting the trend of, we'll just name it after one of the other movies. Right. I feel like this is actually sort of ahead of its, ahead of the trend in that regard. Yeah. Cause this movie came out in 2008 
And I feel like this is a very, like, uh, late 20-teens and, like, 2020s sequel thing. You know how, like, Scream 5 was just called Scream? Right. <laughs> you know? it's And it's like, there's already a movie called Scream. We already had one of those. It came out. Right? This is the fifth one. But instead of saying Scream 5, we're just, like, calling it Scream. Um, no shade against Scream 5. I think that movie's good. But, like, that naming convention is confusing. And it seems like this, coming out in 2005, or 2005, 2008, um, it, and being just called Ram is kind of like predicting that trend a little bit in Hollywood maybe yeah um but yeah I think one of the one of the titles they had in mind was Rambo to Helen back which was <laughs> That's probably a better title a better title but maybe not the best considering the uh, the content of this movie which... That's true although as a viewer I kind of feel like I was taken to <laughs> Helen back watching this movie <laughs> I kind of feel like this was the experience of like a Dante Alighieri-esque <laughs> journey through the pits of human depravity. We'll, we'll get into it, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think Sylvester Stallone directed the sixth Rocky movie around this time, and that was called Rocky Balboa. I kind of think they should have just called this one John Rambo. I think that would have been a better title. Yeah, I, I like that better than Rambo, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the fifth movie, which came out uh, relatively recently, I think it's 2019, I don't remember is Rambo Last Blood, which makes sense. It, it also sounds fucking stupid. Um, yeah, because, like, first blood is a thing. First blood's a right? thing. Like, when you're, like, fighting someone and you draw first blood or whatever. Like, that's a... But there, what's last blood? I don't think anyone draws last blood. They're right. That's not, like, a... That's not a turn of phrase. Like, first blood is at least, like, based on, like, a, a, a phrase that people use. <laughs> and And it might not even be the last movie. Like, they've sort of talked about potentially doing a sixth one. Right. In which I, case, like, the last blood thing becomes, like, the Friday the 13th, like, yeah. the final chapter. And it's like, okay, you called one the final chapter, and then there were more chapters. Um, so I I like the Rambo series a lot. I like Sylvester Stallone a lot. He's probably, probably my second favorite of, like, the action stars of the 80s. Uh, there's a pretty wide gulf between him and my actual favorite star of the 80s, which... Who I'm, could sure, that possibly I'm sure we will get to him at some point during the podcast. <laughs> if not, then I'm sure we'll have to just terminate the show. <laughs> but at the moment, I cannot recall his name. <laughs> Greatest movie ever made, you're terminated. <laughs> um, but there's a there's few gaps I have in his filmography. I haven't seen the Rocky movies. A couple of his other action movies from the 80s that I haven't seen. Um, I love First Blood. First Blood is by far the best movie of this series. And I do like all of the others to varying degrees to lesser degrees, even though they are pretty huge tonal shifts away from that first one. So what do you think of good old Sly Stallone justice? Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to maybe drop a bomb. I have intentionally not been telling you this off mic because I wanted to save this reveal for the podcast um, I have, this is the first Rambo movie I have seen. Okay. I have not seen any other Rambo movie. Um, which I feel like this was a wild and probably incorrect introduction to this franchise. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my, my experience with Rambo is zilch. I basically know that in the first movie, in First Blood, he's like killing cops, right? 
he doesn't actually kill anyone in the first movie. But, but he's like but fighting he's, cops. He's, he is he is yes, he's fleeing from cops. Okay, gotcha. Um, and that's basically what I know about that first movie. And like I know that he's I, going into this movie even before I saw some of the backstory stuff that it does give you. Like I knew that his thing was that he was like a Vietnam vet um, who like came back and was like fucked up by the war um, and kind of like struggling with his like relationship to war and violence and stuff. Like yeah. I knew that about the character even before I went into this movie, which this movie like deals with that aspect of his character a bit. Um, but like, so this is my first um, Stallone as Rambo. Um, the other Stallone that I've experienced is pretty uh, like slim. Like I don't have a ton of experience with his filmography. I have seen Rocky one uh, and one, three and four. I've seen the first Rocky. I've seen three, which is the one with Mr. Mr. T, right? Yes. Yeah. And I've seen number four. Um, and I, I liked all of those movies. Three and four were, um, didn't leave a huge impression on me, but I remember enjoying both of them to some extent. Um, one I've seen multiple times and I think it's a fantastic movie. I think the first Rocky movie, uh, is probably easily the best thing that I've seen him do. Um, considering I've only seen that movie, <laughs> Rocky three and four, now this movie and uh, the first two Expendables movies. Um, that's the other place I've see, seen uh, Sylvester Stallone like in a starring role. Yeah, um, I did. I did watch those Expendables movies recently. Yeah, too. I would say we'll we'll maybe get to some of the comparisons, or I don't know if we'll come back to this or not. But I would say the first Expendables movie is a lot like this movie that we're talking about today. It's just expendables is fun like the tone is like we're it, we're fun this is a goofy action movie we're having a good time and the tone of this movie to my surprise is very much not that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but otherwise kind of a similar like structure i yeah i think so and uh the cgi blood in this as well as that first expendables movie which stallone did direct uh are both equally shitty i think yeah i think the cgi blood is really bad in this and that first expendables movie for the most part yeah um, but as you already alluded to, yeah, First Blood is an adaptation of a novel by David Morrill, and it's it's a pretty serious drama, more so than an action movie, that is about Rambo coming back to America after Vietnam, experiencing PTSD, experiencing mistreatment by small-town police, and fleeing into the forest, and hunting cops, basically. Um, he doesn't kill anyone. He wounds them very seriously, but it is, it is very much dealing with the post-treatment, the, the post-war treatment of vets in the U.S. or the perceived post-war treatment of, of vets in the U.S. I wasn't there, so I don't know what it was really like, but that's what that one's dealing with. And then Rambo First Blood Part 2 and Rambo 3 just turn him into an action icon and they lean into the over-the-top action elements, and he kind of becomes like the mascot of Reagan's America, where there's a children's TV show, there's toys, there's all this merchandising. Reagan quotes Rambo in his speeches about Ram Rambo as like the ideal American hero. Um, it is pretty crazy that like this character, from what I understand, like I haven't seen that first movie, but like my understanding of that first movie is that it's very critical of... Um, like American interventionism and like uh, the the American like military industrial complex. Like essentially it's like the, the Vietnam War in that first movie, my understanding is it's like framed as bad, right? Yeah. And that it like fucked him up. Yeah. And, and that's like 
um, shown as like a negative thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's weird for that character to have that foundation and then to go on to essentially be like praised by like right wing, like imperialist. <laughs> Right? Politicians and be like, oh, yeah, no, this is our guy. This guy whose, like, roots are in, like, oh, we sent a bunch of our young men over to Southeast Asia, you know, in the 60s and 70s, and they came back, like, fundamentally broken. Yeah, the first one has a a big anti-authoritarian streak Mm. and is referencing the counterculture movement of the time a little bit. You know, Rambo's kind of a hippie with a gun in, in, in a certain aspect in that movie. And then, two, he's going back to Vietnam to rescue POWs. And the whole framing of that movie is we were there for the right reasons, but the bureaucrats and the politicians fucked up Vietnam. Mm, so that's already kind of a big shift. Right. And and I think I wasn't there right. when these movies were coming out. I think those movies are fun and they're dated. And I can have fun with them and this whole... That, that whole anti-communist sentiment of the 80s and the early 90s, I can have fun with that with 30 years of distance from there. Right. And there's plenty of action movies, plenty of famous action movies that sort of have like an authoritarian or maybe like pro-military kind of propaganda streak to them that it's like it's okay to like acknowledge that that stuff is in the movie but still enjoy aspects of the movie yeah i think a great example for me is like the first Die Hard movie right john mcclane is a cop in that movie and cops are shown in a uh, you know, with with a couple of exceptions, you know, like the, the FBI guys in that movie, um, the feds, right, are shown as kind of bad, right? But the the cops in general in that movie are treated as, like, good guys who are worthy of respect. And, and him, him, like, going out of his jurisdiction and, like, straight up murdering people <laughs> is, like, shown as, like, a positive thing, like a good thing. And it's like, oh, when cops go rogue and blow people's heads off we're like cheering for that in that movie and like as a as a person existing in the real world i'm like okay yeah there's like some uh authoritarian like sort of fascistic (laughs) imagery at play here um but at the same time it's a fun goofy action movie and i can separate like the politics of it from you know the the movie itself right um so i think that that's fair to do with like the rambo movies yeah that's that's an exercise i think is an action fan you have to do with with a lot of action movies and a lot of war movies too that especially war movies that are more serious um because those have those have plenty of problematic um issues in them as well but sly wanted to do rambo for for years and was looking to find a story they did come up with a story that they eventually used for Rambo Last Blood, which is about Rambo in the United States, who has like kind of a like kind of a surrogate daughter figure. She gets kidnapped by the Mexican cartel, and he goes to rescue her. But then the writers became aware of the Burmese Civil War and visited refugee camps and thought that this would be a good place to drop in. America's favorite son, John Rambo. I sort of wish they had not been made aware of of this conflict and chosen to set the, the movie here. I think I think that the a uh, thing to get out of the way up top here is I think that this movie had no business involving itself in an actual genocide that was really occurring. 
I think this movie would be better if it was set in a fake conflict, potentially even in a fake country. I feel like it, the movie would allow itself to have more fun if it didn't feel like it needed to acknowledge real human suffering. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I I, I agree. Because, like, where do you where do you put Rambo these days? Like, does Rambo have a relevance to, at this point, 2000s America? Um, yeah, and in it, 2008, you know, the war in Iraq was still ongoing. But, like, it, public opinion had turned very strongly against it by 2008. Yeah. Right? So if you put... Uh, if you put John Rambo in, you know, Iraq or Afghanistan, you know, viewers are going to be like, this guy fucking sucks. Like, we hate what's going on over there. And even in the 80s, movies like Commando and Predator, they're set in South American countries mm -hmm. that South American communist countries that, you know, that area was dealing with a lot of conflict and the rise of communism and CIA, inter CIA intervention at the time. But even those movies have the good sense to just make up a country. Um, yeah. And, and also mostly stay out of the politics of it. Yeah. You know, like predator, like is not concerned about the politics of what's going on in the country. It's an alien hunting people for sport. <laughs> this movie gets itself involved in the politics of the situation a little bit. And I think that that is strongly to its detriment. Yeah. Um, but all, all the same, uh, the author, David Morrow was happy with the film he said it was the closest representation of the character to the original book. Sylvester Stallone himself says it's his most proudest film, one of his best films, because it's important. And according to the filmmakers, I, I wasn't able to find a ton of information on this. According to the filmmakers, it has since been banned in Burma, but... Karen, I can't imagine why. Yeah, Karen revolutionaries and the Burmese people are happy with the film. They are inspired by it. They have gotten, you know, their copies of the movie have been smuggled into the country because, of course, if you're caught with it, you could be, you know, imprisoned or, or God knows what else. Um, so Stallone is proud of this movie because of that impact. So um, let's get into the movie. We open with news footage and reports of the conflict in Burma. And I want to get a few things out of the way just about the war before we really launch into the plot here. So we're going to make a lot of jokes about this very misguided movie. We are not joking specifically about this very real and horrible conflict that has affected countless lives. Um, so conflicts have been raging in Burma since the country gained its independence in 1948. And there've been several ethnic groups fighting for control of the country during that time. There have been numerous human rights violations on all sides of this conflict, 170,000 deaths. This film deals with the time period surrounding the Saffron Revolution, which were protests against the military dictatorship that occurred during the fall of 2007. And 2008, this movie's coming out right, right after that. Uh, this is a pretty dense and complicated conflict. We're not a political science podcast. <laughs> and believe it or not, we are not experts on the politics of Myanmar. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not historians. We're just two dumbasses who we're like to talk about movies. Two dumb, two dumb white guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we get news footage and reports of the conflict 
we get news footage and reports of the conflict that start the movie off. Yeah, I, I referred to this in my notes as the tragedy porn intro. It's literally just video and photos of, of real atrocities from what I could tell. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a pretty um, jarring way to start an action movie. And again, as someone who is new to this franchise, I always kind of was under the impression that Rambo was like fun. I think it's uh, maybe the third one where he's like on the poster, like with a rocket launcher or something. And I feel like that's the imagery I associated with Rambo was like jacked Sylvester Stallone with his little headband and like a rocket launcher looking all like oiled up and, and you know, like a badass. And then I was the first images in this movie was like real life news footage of people dying. <laughs> and I was, uh, yeah, taking a pack, taking it back. It, it definitely feels a little exploitive. <laughs> just a little. Yeah. Just a smidge maybe. Yeah. Well, I think they found, they discovered this conflict was happening and felt like the Western world wasn't really covering it. So they were trying to bring people up to speed and also maybe reorient the series a little bit more closely with first blood yeah. in tone. I, I guess the kind reading of it is that they're trying to spread awareness of this conflict. Right. Um, but there's also, you know, maybe better, better ways to do that than an action movie. But, but, you know, we jump from this right to our opening scene where we unload some civilians from a truck and the military chucks these landmines out into a rice paddy and forces them at gunpoint to run across the rice paddy and a few people step on landmines and explode yes we do get a couple of people being exploded which i <clears throat> i wish i could enjoy but it's in the trappings of a real life tragedy and so it feels weird to enjoy it and this is like i'm i'm just gonna say this up top because it applies at least for me to basically all of the violence except for like the last like 10 minutes of this movie for me in this movie which is they are doing some really cool looking action movie violence. You already mentioned the CGI blood is not super great, but there are some moments of action movie violence in this movie that are cool um, visually. Uh, it, and uh, until the last 10 minutes, I feel like I don't get to enjoy it as a viewer because it is centered around this real life tragedy and mostly being perpetrated against uh, like unarmed, defenseless people. And I feel like a lot of the fun in an action movie a lot of the time is seeing two, uh, you know, armed <laughs> or two like um, combating uh, factions going against each other, right? You got John Wick and an army of endless henchmen. You've got, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Predator. Um, and this doesn't feel like that. It feels like a lot of the time I'm just watching defenseless people get killed. And it's being showed on screen in a very, um, in a way that is occasionally like choreographed well and shot in a, a competent enough action style. But, and it's recognizable as Hollywood action violence, but I can't have fun. It's, it, it is effective at being emotional and disturbing and, and tough to watch. Yeah. Which was probably their intent. But if you're going to make that movie, don't have John Rambo show up in a few minutes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Don't have Sylvester Stallone in here doing roid grunts at people. Right. right? Like, if you're going to make that movie, like, if you're going to make a movie that is essentially um, 
you know, a, a real look at a tragedy, a real look at a real life tragedy, you either need to make a documentary or you need to make something with the tone that's like Schindler's List, you know, right. um, or, or Oppenheimer, a movie that we both recently saw and, and enjoyed a lot. Like that's a movie about mass death. Um, it's about a lot more than that. Right. Um, but it's one that handles the subject matter of mass death in a way that it feels um, respectful right i'd agree um and and this doesn't <laughs> yeah um not not for nothing because the sequence that you've just been describing with the the people in the rice paddy uh also has new metal music video color grading oh you're right <laughs> it, it looks like it's a, a very it's a very brown movie yeah it looks like a seether video <laughs> a lot of the time and i was just like okay all right uh, I, this is making me have conflicting feelings because on the one hand this is very um a a tragic and horrible thing that is being put to screen um and on the other hand i keep expecting jonathan davis to show up (laughs) (laughs) um we we were introduced to our villain here who does have a name but i don't remember it and they never say it in the movie so in my notes i've just referred to him as captain asshole i just put him in here as warlord (laughs) yeah um because i was like you there's nothing that tells you what his rank is i don't think anyone refers to him as general or whatever he is like a military guy he's like with the the government or one of the government factions i believe the the enemy faction that's depicted in this movie is the military yeah the, the military government but i but i just referred to him as warlord because i didn't actually know what his rank was <laughs> um, he, he does the action movie thing where he just kind of nods his head and his men take that as the sign to kill people yeah um i wish i had that kind of report with hen- with henchmen yeah i i don't know like how you set that up how it's like okay from here on out when i nod <laughs> this you is what this him. means yeah and, and do different nods mean different do different head gestures mean different things it's i mean it's 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 a it's a stereotype with a lot of action movie villains this is this is just the first one that we've sort of landed on that does it yeah in this podcast but i i did notice that um yeah so all so these these people run through the rice paddy a few of them blow up and cry and it's really fucking sad and awful. Yes. Uh, and then we cut to good old Johnny Rambo. We see what. Well, he's... we cut to title card Rambo. We cut to title card, which I was like, okay, so what the fuck is this movie? Like, because again, <laughs> this is my entry to this franchise. Okay. I see this tragedy porn newsreel, and then I see this this new metal color graded scene of people being genocided, right? And then it's title card Rambo, <laughs> and I'm like. Okay, so I am watching the right movie. <laughs> so yes, then we have John Rambo. It's not really the, the intro to get you hyped up for watching no. Rambo kill people. It immediately bummed me out. I was like, oh man, this okay, this is the tone of this movie. Uh, just not what I was expecting. <laughs> but yeah, we, we got to see what Johnny's been up to after helping the Taliban at the end of Rambo 3. <laughs> is that what he's doing in Rambo 3? He's helping the Mujahideen. What? <laughs> which of course become the Taliban. <laughs> Uh, famously, the movie ended on a freeze frame and then uh, a title card that said this film is dedicated to that's the brave Mujahideen. Yes, the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan. And then I think later ones just like changed it to just like a general like this film is dedicated to the revolutionary peoples of the world. I, I have seen the this film is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan as a meme. I did not know it was from Rambo it's 3. from Rambo 3, sir. And that the movie is about him... <laughs> 
I did I did not know that the movie was about him helping the Mujahideen. Uh, yeah, so that's wild that Rambo 3 is about him helping the Taliban. I was unaware of that. Yeah, that's fun crazy. fact. <laughs> anyway, so this is what he's been doing since then. He's been living in Thailand as a, like a bow fisher and a snake catcher and yes. a boat captain for some he's doing he's catching snakes for a snake fighting racket. <laughs> Which I'm like, how much money does uh catching snakes bring in? <laughs> i guess enough for boat upkeep but he it seems like he's like got a few guys he's working with so maybe they're pooling their money for the boat yeah it's it's probably just all going into the boat and their their um their salary um but he's living that river life yeah we get a really nice version of the first blood theme with like some acoustic guitars and strings and horns it's really nice um but uh Sly's looking a little rough here. <laughs> the The mullet and the bandana is not working for me. I I wrote down that for so this has nothing to do with the hair, which I agree. The hair they should have reconsidered the mullet, but just in general, his face because like so eighties Stallone, um, he was like kind of like kind of like a handsome guy in like the the eighties, right, seventies and eighties, um, and then um, he took so many steroids <laughs> he he like just geared the fuck up and i think this around 2008 like this and then like early in the 20 teens like expendable time is like when his face started transforming into just a football <laughs> like a deflated football and then um like now like later era stallone with like some of the later expendable sequels and like him in those like later um those like creed movies i feel like he's just full-on like shoe leather face but this is like the transition point in this movie he's kind of owning it now though yeah i wrote down in this movie though that he looks like handsome squidward <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, yeah it's i mean i don't want to i don't want to shame anyone's appearance but yeah they uh I, I think they should have gone with a different direction for his uh hair and wardrobe in this yeah i will say though the one the one positive that i will say about uh how sylvester stallone looks in this movie he has the most jacked forearms i have ever seen put on a screen and later in the movie when he's like shooting arrows and they're fully like going through dude's skulls i'm like i buy that these forearms could put an arrow through a guy's cranium like that is his forearms are fucking beefed up it's crazy they're hiding behind that t-shirt for most of the movie, though, which I kind of don't like. You get a couple good shots of them, though. It is funny, though, because I do know that, like, the first three Rambo movies, like, the, all of the posters are, like, him shirtless. Yeah, he's, and, like, he's like in a tank top or shirtless, I think, for a good, a good portion of those movies. Yeah, and in this movie, the shirt stays on, baby. He was, <laughs> he was like, I'm directing this one. I'm getting a little older. This ain't coming off. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can see my roided-out forearms and my huge neck, but you're not seeing any of the potential ab action or lack thereof that is happening <laughs> so these christian missionaries show up to rambo's little the the, the the snake fighting pit that rambo's giving snakes to yeah missionaries from colorado which i mean just knowing how many uh like far-right fundamentalist churches there are like big ones in colorado like focus on the family and stuff is headquartered there that just set up a red flag for me right away i was like oh missionaries from colorado yeah (laughs) you know the the character's name is michael he wants to go into burma and help the sick and 
and Rainbow can seemingly only communicate in one-liners and grunts in this movie. Yeah, steroid grunts are his Burma's primary. A, Burma's a war zone. <laughs> uh, you're, bring, you're not bringing any weapons. You're not changing anything. I think he says you're not changing anything. Like That's like half of his dialogue in this movie is that line. That's also weirdly sort of the theme of this movie. I think it was in the trailers, too. Like, yeah. they really leaned into it. Yeah, it's the theme of this movie seems to be you can try to help people, and it kind of doesn't matter, <laughs> which is weird. I mean, it sort of, it ends on kind of like a note where it's like, maybe it does matter a little bit, but it never fully goes optimistic at all. Um, but yeah. I think that's where they leave the character at the end of Rambo 3. Mm. And it does, I think maybe the one good thing about this movie is, one of the good things about this movie, Stallone feels really settled into the role. And I think he's doing a good job here with the role as he wrote it. Um, Again, a lot of that is clashing with the thematic elements of the movie, but in terms of the character, this gruff, older, regretful, kind of Clint Eastwood, unforgiven take mostly works. Yeah, I would agree that I think his performance in this movie is 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 fine. Yeah, yeah, I don't have any like major gripes with his performance, and I know I'm making fun of his his line deliveries and calling them steroid grunts, but it works for the character, right? Because he's he's kind of that's that's who this guy is. He's this guy who he doesn't have a lot of words, <laughs> right? Um, and he also like wants to keep to himself and wants to like. It's very clear that he doesn't want any anything to do with whatever the fuck these people are trying to do. Yeah, you know. Um, and also like is pretty confident that if they go in there, they're going to get themselves in trouble and probably killed. Right. And he just doesn't kind of clearly doesn't want that on his, on his conscience. Right. Which he's not wrong about. No. Yeah. No, he's right. Um, there's, there's a cool line in this scene or a fun line in the scene where the, um, the missionary guy is talking about like, Oh, like we want to help the world or whatever. And, (laughs) and and Stallone's response is fuck the world. (laughs) I thought I thought that delivery was really good. It made me laugh. Yeah, I I was laughing too. Um, we do kind of briefly cut away to uh, Captain Asshole in the military, kidnapping child soldiers from a village, threatening violence if they ask the Karen Rebels for help, which the Karen Rebels are a revolutionary group in Burma. Um, I think this is like one of his. I think this is his only line that is subtitled. And then the movie just decides that you don't need to know what this guy is saying for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Or what uh, pretty much anyone other than Stallone speaking a language other than English is saying. Yeah. Because Stallone gets subtitled when he's like speaking to the Burmese people. Right. But uh, and, and, you know, there's like a guy who's like helping them out who's with the Karen rebels who occasionally is subtitled. But like almost nobody else is. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Captain Asshole, he gets one subtitled line and that's it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So back at the snake fighting pit with the Christian missionaries, we're introduced to Sarah. She's trying to kind of appeal to like Rambo's honor and they're, they're going to change the world. And, you know, he's kind of given her the same, the same spiel about how you can't change the world. You can't make a difference. Um, and you can't make a difference in Burma without bringing guns because you're not changing anything. He says that again, yeah. I'm pretty sure. And and at some point in the scene, she uh, she says something like, um, you know, we believe that all life is special. 
which I was like, this all lives matter ass bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but his response to that is like some, some are some not so much, which I thought was a funny response where she's like, all life is special. All life is sacred. And he's like, well, he's some more than others. (laughs) Yeah. She's just like, she's really sanctimonious (sighs) and, and just, I I was not having it with her. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I found this character pretty insufferable. And she's, like, supposed to be, like, centered as, like, the moral core of this movie. And I was just like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Um, Rambo does agree eventually to take them on the worst Jungle Cruise ride ever. (laughs) Um, And they do, she does try to talk to him a little bit more. I think this is a nice moment. I mean, again, I'm not a huge fan of the character. But it's a nice moment where Rambo sort of talks about being a nom he doesn't have a reason to go back to the U.S. because he feels like he doesn't have a home there, and you can see this this moment where he's built a little bit of empathy with her or some trust with her, where he says to her, "Anytime you want to turn turn around, we'll go back." Right, it's your but, call. But he's he's listening to her, and Michael's kind of clearly like the leader of this Christian missionary group. But he doesn't trust Michael. He's only going to listen to Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a funny thing that leads into this interaction that they have on the boat that you just described, <laughs> where um, like the scene opens on um, Sarah talking to like, or Michael is like talking to the the rest of the christian missionary people on the boat and rambo is literally like three feet away from them it is not a big boat it's a tiny little boat rambo is like so close that he's clearly hearing everything they're not whispering or anything they're like talking at a regular volume and michael is talking and sarah starts to get up and michael says where are you going to sarah and she goes (laughs) and she says to talk to him right and he's literally three fucking feet away. And then Michael's like, oh, why? What's the point? Or whatever. Like, he's, like, giving her shit. He's, like, giving her shit uh, about, <laughs> like, wanting to go talk to Rambo. And Rambo can clearly hear, like, every fucking thing this guy is saying. <laughs> Which I thought it was so funny that that uh, this guy's just, like, talking shit to Rambo. Like, basically within swinging distance. I was like, the ball's on this guy. Because if I saw those forearms... <laughs> would not be talking shit within swinging distance man and and Rambo looks super jazzed to be there yeah he's just having the time of his life no he looks like if someone looks at him wrong he will kill them oh yeah yeah and so I'm like man I don't know what this guy's fucking problem is but I would not be (laughs) not be talking shit um I just thought that was so funny where are you going to talk to him yeah where where else can you go (laughs) yeah I'm going to go, I'm going to go take a fucking swim in the, <laughs> the parasite ridden water. Yeah. Where are you going? was just such a funny line to me. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. We also find out in this scene that, uh, that Rambo's from Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think they've mentioned that previously in the other movies. Oh yeah. I don't remember the, t- the town name, um, but it's, it's a real town. It's like a tiny, tiny town of like 300 people, um, like, uh, east of Tucson. Um, but yeah, uh, Rambo, uh, Arizona boy, just like David and I, this is an Arizona based podcast, by the way, for anyone who is listening, who doesn't, um, personally know us. (laughs) So it, uh, it's night at this point and we run into these Burmese pirates who are partying on the shoreline and Rambo sort of tells everyone to stay down and just sort of tries to sneak by these pirates. It's kind it's a pretty like tense moment in a well-directed scene and just when they think they're safe the pirates start up the boat and the floodlights are going the pirates are yelling 
and they pull up next to the boat and they want to there's this back and forth between rambo and the the, the head pirate i guess yeah the pirate um, captain the pirate <laughs> the pirate captain um yeah and and the pirate captain has a really really good question for rambo i think which is where are you white fools going and i was like you know what fair <laughs> Where are these white fools going? Yeah, he's like, this is my river. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he wants all their money. He wants all their supplies. Yeah. And then they notice that there's pretty young Sarah sitting on the boat. Right. And they want to take her. Yeah, this is the first time in this movie, and it happens a couple more times, where the wh- white blonde lady has to be saved by Sylvester Stallone from being sexually assaulted by non-white men. Which is just, the optics of that in 2023, I was rolling my eyes a little bit. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then and there's this tense moment where he's trying to talk them down, and it's not going to happen. And their voices, they're waving their guns around, their voices are getting higher. And uh, Rambo just pulls out his gun and ices them all like he's playing Red Dead Redemption and turned on Deadeye mode. And I just... Will- one right after another. Yeah, and I will say this moment I thought was pretty cool. Like yeah. this this I was like, okay, cool. These are, you know, river pirates. They're not uh directly standing in for uh any actual real life <laughs> um person um or, you know, faction in this conflict. They're just kind of people who are taking advantage of the chaotic situation in the country it seemed like. Um and they're all like armed and a clear threat. And our badass hero takes them all down. And that uh, moment in this movie, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm in an action movie. Um, and I just wish it had been repeated a little bit more. But but this this is a pretty cool moment. And it really does show that Rambo is like a fucking badass. Like he takes all these guys out yeah, it's easily. A, it's a nice little moment of relatively guilt-free violence. Yeah. In a movie that doesn't have enough of that. Yeah. Um, and, and so... Rambo takes all these guys out. Michael flips out because he just has to be annoying. And yeah. Rambo... Michael is, like, going up to Rambo. And he's being like, he's being like, who are you? Like, you can't do that. And <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, in the roid gruntiest he gets in this performance, slams Michael up against, like, the pole on the boat. And he's like, who am I? Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> it's like barely intelligible um if i didn't have the subtitles on i probably wouldn't have known what the hell he was saying uh and then after he slams him slams him up against the pole he looks at sarah see if she still wants to go up river and her dumb ass still does yeah they're still going up into burma i just Um, realized my stallone impression sounded a little bit like hulk hogan (laughs) which i think if hulk hogan played john rambo that would be something huh (laughs) oh man (laughs) that would be a different movie that'd be a very different movie (laughs) anyway (laughs) i i think i'm happier with him staying in like the three ninjas franchise or whatever the fuck he did (laughs) i don't know i don't know having only seen one rambo movie and it being this one i'd I'd be interested to see what hulk hogan would have done with the character (laughs) take it in a little a little bit of a different direction probably would have said brother a lot more brother brother you're not changing anything (laughs) i'll take you down the river brother uh yeah (laughs) anyway and um man you know like we said we're not in the 80s anymore reagan's gone we're at the tail end of the bush administration here and it feels like that reaganism 
that kind of infected Rambo 2 and 3 is slipping back into this movie. Rambo is this kind of ideal American hero contrasted against these soy boy, bleeding heart Christians. Like... But also, weirdly, the Christianity looms so large in this movie. And, like, it's kind of through, like, an appeal to his, like, faith that Sarah gets him to agree to pilot the boat. And it almost feels like this movie wants to have its cake and eat it, too. Where it's like, oh, yeah, being a masculine, violent badass is awesome. But also... The Bible is important and thou shalt not kill is in there. So we got to put a little nod towards that, you know, like it just it feels like there's a little bit of a I don't know this. There were multiple points watching this movie where I was like, is this a religious film? (laughs) And I know Stallone himself, I believe, is Catholic. I believe he's at least has been in his life a practicing Catholic. Um, So I you know, that stuff is probably, um, you know, comes out in his writing to some extent right um but it just the the balance of that felt weird but i do agree it does feel like it's very much the big the big muscle guy pushing around the little weak guy a lot and and to be fair to stallone i also think he's if if i remember correctly and i could be wrong i think he's relatively left-leaning i think he's pro gun control it maybe at least to this point i might be wrong about that but he certainly doesn't seem like the a Republican in Hollywood the way that you know some of his other contemporaries might be. Yeah, I don't want to malign Sylvester Stallone. It's like just, I have nothing against the man, but like yeah, the just the the balance of stuff in this movie seemed a little weird to me. Yeah, I think the issue is this movie is mostly I think a tonal return to First Blood, and it's just weird having the elements of of rainbow two and three slipping back into it but again like there's a lot of really tonally conflicted thematically problematic things in this movie this is this is like the fifth thing that's going on here that's that's probably you know not very well thought out on the filmmaker's part yeah so um then after this after the the whole pirate altercation and they decide to you know continue onward um, we get, uh, Sylvester Stallone drops them off. Uh, they, the missionaries get off the boat and then they like do the little hike through the jungle to get to the village that they're trying to help out. And this is the, the fucking shittiest quick cut montage I think I've ever seen. I, I was, uh, blown away by, um, how god awful the editing was in this quick cut montage where they're walking through the woods and like Stallone's getting back on the boat and taking it back or whatever. I like, they linger on every shot for like a second and a half. It was, um, I again felt like I was watching a new metal music video. I was like, what is, why is this edited this way? Why am I being presented with these visuals for such a short amount of time that I can barely process what I'm looking at when it moves on to the next one. I just wanted to call out how fucking terrible it was. Because they want to get to the carnage. Yeah, yeah. They want to get to the blood. Then don't do the montage at all. Just show them getting off the boat and show them showing up in the village and I'll fucking understand that they walk through the jungle. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Rambo goes back to the pirate boat and sinks it. And, you know, there's there's some time that seems to pass and we go back to the villagers the village and the missionaries 
The missionaries have arrived at the village. They're settling in. They're starting to treat the sick. Yes. To give these missionaries credit, I feel like I was talking a little shit about them earlier. Um, To give these missionaries credit, they are legitimately providing actual medical aid (laughs) to these people. Which I I was happy to see that they weren't just, um, you know, leading praise and worship. They're like actually providing material uh assistance (laughs) yeah i think i think they are helping i think the movie does a good job of portraying them actually helping and trying to make a difference in a way that missionaries in the actual world that's you know aren't always doing that because i've a lot i we both have a lot of problems with um you know, missionaries and colonial colonialism on, on behalf of Christianity and stuff like that. Yeah. In here, at least it looks like they have doctors, they have medical supplies and medical training and they're helping out the sick right up until uh, said carnage appears, which is captain asshole attacking the place with mortars. Okay. But before the mortar attack, I yeah? need, I need to call out. So Michael, the head missionary doctor guy is bandaging a guy's leg that has been like fully severed probably by an explosive. He's like wrapping a huge bandage around this guy's like um, stump of a leg. And in this moment, he's doing this and Sarah walks into the room and I just needed to call out Michael's extremely casual, hey you, when she (laughs) walks in, which I thought was the wildest way to greet someone when you are actively bandaging another human being's severed limb. Just being like, oh, hey, you. (laughs) I was like, that is not the tone that this situation is demanding, man. Like, there's a guy here who is, like, under your care who may die from this injury, and you're just like, oh, sup? And I don't think they're romantically involved or anything like that. No. That's a very casual thing. He seemed really chipper. Really friendly. Yeah. And I was like, "I I don't know about all that. If I was the guy being bandaged, I'd be like, can I get, like, a little bit more, like, gravitas in this room right now? Like, I don't need this casual, like, oh, what's up, water cooler banter <laughs> while I'm here fucking bleeding out, man. Anyway, I just wanted to call that out. But, yes, then there is a mortar attack. Then then, then the, the shack that they're in fucking explodes. Yes. Um, there's lots of digital blood in here that doesn't look great. We get some practical stuff. Um, several people explode like watermelons. Yes. We get a brief little montage of children being shot. And let me be clear, the greatest movie ever made podcast. We are huge fans of child murder in movies. In movies. This is not the kind of child murder we like. No. The little girl's chest exploding in Assault on Precinct 13. Hilarious. Fucking the greatest thing ever committed to celluloid. Yes. This made me feel kind of shitty. Yes, I completely agree. I'm I'm glad we're on the same page uh as far as this is concerned so that we can uh you know approach this as a united front um in terms of the greatest movie ever made podcast uh, official stance on child murder in movie in movies. We are anti-child murder in real life. If you actually are killing children in real life, that's bad. And the greatest movie ever made podcast is opposed to it. Um, however, <laughs> in cinema, but you say it that way, and now it sounds like we actually are child murder. No, just I, I just want to be clear. Child I just murder. I just want to be clear. We are anti-child murder. See, now you keep saying it. anti-child murder. Uh, okay. <laughs> and and me saying it a bunch of times should not give you any indication to the contrary. Uh, but yeah, so like, but we like when in Halloween three season of the witch, a movie that we will eventually cover on this podcast, but we're saving it for a later episode. Um, a, a kid's head 
turns into snakes and bugs in that movie. And it fucking rules. It's the best thing that's ever happened. And and a kid dies and it rules. But in this movie, a child gets bayoneted. And my immediate response to it, because a kid is bayoneted on screen, probably like four years old or something. And my immediate reaction to it was, how dare you movie for not allowing me to enjoy this child murder because it's too sad and yeah. too real, right? It's like Assault on Precinct 13, that's a fun movie where fun stuff happens. And a kid getting shot after getting an ice cream in that movie is fun. You know, if you're a fucked up weirdo like David and I. Yeah. <laughs> but this is not fun even for fucked up weirdos. Yeah, and then and then the uh, what I'll refer to as Chekhov's 50 cal mounted uh, uh Chekhov's jeep mounted 50 cal cal <laughs> yes um <laughs> it guns down a bunch of people who are trying to escape down this like hill set to sad music and we get more carnage yes yeah, and it's, sad it's geno- like, genocide music montage feel sad about what's happening and you know what i fucking do movie great you you did your job you made me feel sad about this but i thought i was watching a fucking action movie and i thought i was gonna have a good time at some point and now you're just making me feel morose <laughs> Yeah, um, it's not. This is this is probably, man. I'm trying to remember. We'll we'll cover the rest of the movie. Obviously, this might be the moment in the film where I think the violence just doesn't work. I agree. Although I think later there is, we'll get to it. But later there is violence of a different nature that I think is worse than this. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. But this is a pretty extended, long sequence that has a lot of different images and a lot of different vignettes and stuff that pop up in it uh, as we watch this this village get attacked and and and, and also burned to the ground and and people just chopped up and ugh. yes and it's it's horrible it's hard to watch it is absolutely no fun and um again in this movie we see a bunch of nameless uh you know asian background actors uh getting killed right and all of the white people every single white person gets taken prisoner they all get captured right which again this movie feels like it is weird on that level to me as well um We'll get into it more later in the movie, but I, I specifically have a problem with how, like, Sarah is treated in this movie versus how women of, like, the Burmese women in this movie are treated. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering, I don't remember if they even, if they say this at all, but it, I, the, the non-shitty read of it that's still kind of shitty is it's possible that they think they can get some sort of ransom from the American government to send these white people back. Right. I don't think they say that. I suppose that there's some kind of rationale that you can, yeah. But, um, but it is another, another aspect of the kind of the white savior issues that are present in this movie. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, now Stallone has to go save these captured white people after we've just seen dozens of non-white people be, be murdered. And it's like, oh, Stallone, uh, didn't save them. <laughs> <laughs> right um and that that also happens again later in the movie but yeah we'll get to it anyway uh, meanwhile we join up again with johnny and he's having some he's got to have ptsd flashbacks like batman having nightmares about his parents dying rambo's got to have a ptsd flashback oh is this a consistent thing it's a consistent thing where he, where he has flashbacks to being tortured 
Uh, and we work in some footage from the other movies here. Yes, I, I wrote down flashbacks to movies I haven't seen because I was like, I can recognize that that's younger Sylvester Stallone. So I assume that these are uh, previous franchise entries. <laughs> Um, and again, very uh, new metal music video here again with the flashback sequence. Um, just the, the the grayscale kind of flashes again, just reminded me like of a, I don't know, like a um, third eye blind or like <laughs> something. That's not new metal, but you no. know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the next morning, the pastor of the church shows up and says, our Christian missionaries have gone missing and I've hired mercenaries. This was fucking insane this was the part of this movie where i was the most shocked by a plot development which yeah colorado church pastor in 10 days he says it's been 10 days since they lost contact with the missionaries right so within 10 days he has figured out that they have been captured he has flown from colorado to Myanmar, right? And has hired mercenaries. He got Merc money. He got and, Merc money from and, the collection plates. Yes, and my biggest question here is how the hell is he um, you know, covering up that he spent money on these mercenaries because that's definitely a violation of international law like he is definitely this is illegal right so somehow on the church financials he's got to be covering this up he's going to be like okay well we needed new chairs we needed like a new drum kit for the worship team we needed a new projector and crunch the numbers 1.4 million (laughs) dollars like what the fuck is he gonna do when everybody's like okay so there's like you know a couple mil missing from the church budget Where'd that go? <laughs> and he's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was missionary expenses. But, don't worry about it. But it's enough to convince Rambo to go look for the missionaries. So he forges a machete. Um, this montage is kind of awesome. It is kind of awesome, but it did make me wonder, why does Rambo need to literally forge a machete like he's uh an elf going to war against uh morgoth in in the silmarillion right yeah and when, the scene looks like he's reforging the sword of gondor yes he's like yeah it's he's like making andoril out of the shards of narsil or something but like one would assume in burma in the middle of a um well i guess he's in thailand right yeah but one assumes that in thailand in uh, a heavily jungled uh, area of that country a machete would not be hard to come by i'm not sure why he needs to diy this machete i think i think it's the machete <laughs> the machete's him okay all and right. he's the machete or it's a it could, metaphor or it could be a penis thing it could be a the penis machete thing. the the knife does get bigger in each movie yeah by movie three it's practically a machete now it's just a full-on machete the problem is i don't think that this movie is fun enough to have a penis we can't do a penis it. read of this movie well i mean i guess we can it's just then it gets all like complicated and weird i don't know okay um no maybe the machete's his penis i don't know but but regardless i was like okay he's he's just doing this the hard way it seems like the easy way would just be to go to like literally any corner store where they probably have machetes and pick one up yeah and, and i guess sly actually stayed up all night to shoot this scene and actually forged the machete on camera okay that's cool which kind of rules yeah that's cool i i will give him that that's pretty it's that's it's, pretty dope. it's just this big hunk of metal that looks ugly and fucked up like if it if it hits you you're gonna get tetanus yeah 
yeah no it's it's definitely not a sterile implement um and this is also where we get some good uh stallone forearms um just vain yeah. city here yeah <laughs> it's get pretty those, wild get to see those biceps yeah um and the next morning we get introduced to our group of annoying mercs action movies never get this right yeah. they all think that they're predator or aliens with this ragtag group of mercs and they consistently fuck it up yeah and you know what's one surefire way to fuck it up make one of them use the r word in the scene where you meet them oh yeah and have them all laugh about it i was like okay i immediately don't give a shit about what happens to any of you because <laughs> you're a bunch of fucking assholes yeah so so the main offender here is lewis played by graham mctavish okay I who, do... who establishes himself as very british yes very very fucking annoying graham mctavish is a good actor yes and i do have to say i am a huge graham mctavish fan via outlander which is a show that I know you have not watched. I've not watched that <laughs> but show. But the Podmaster and I are uh, Outlander pilled. We have watched uh, everything except the most recent season of Outlander. Um, Outlander, a show with its own problems. There's so much sexual sexual assault in that show. Um, but a show that we enjoy. And uh, Graham McTavish is in the first couple seasons as Dougal McKenzie, and he fucking rocks in that show he's so cool and also in in real life he is scottish but in this movie he's doing an english accent which right. i thought was very interesting yeah i couldn't i couldn't quite tell because i did look up and see that he was scottish but after yeah. a while i was like oh he's a he's a british sas guy yeah his character's ex sas but you know there are scottish people in the sas it was just interesting that he chose to be english instead of scottish right. for this and i've seen him in the first season of the preacher tv show adapted from the comic books which i kind of stopped watching after that first season because it wasn't very good but he plays the saint of killers which is basically what if clint eastwood was the angel of death and worked for god and he's very good in that role yeah Graham mctavish is good we're pro Graham mctavish um, and he's i honestly think he's good in this movie as this as the most annoying man who's ever lived <laughs> And he's like, immediately in the scene where we meet this team of mercs, he's immediately so aggressive. He's such a, he's just a dick to everyone. Yes, but he's, he's actually, he's a dick to Rambo. Especially Rambo. And Rambo hasn't said shit to him. No, Rambo is, is being completely silent. Rambo's just driving the boat. Yeah, he's not saying shit. And this guy is immediately trying to start shit with him. And I think it's just because Stallone is like the biggest and most jacked guy there. And it's like a it's like a dick measuring contest. It's like a, just a dominance thing with, for Graham McTavish's character. Because he comes up to him and he's immediately like, oh, you think you're fucking better than me? <laughs> like talking yeah. so much shit. And it's just like, let the guy drive the boat, dude. <laughs> and, and I didn't write down the names for any other mercs because they honestly don't matter. I remember the sniper's name is schoolboy that oh, stood out to me because it's stupid stupid and bad yeah there's a southern guy who's like singing to himself this whole time and yeah. i think that maybe is what sets off graham mctavish's character a bit but yeah i don't know they, they don't matter yeah um one of the members of the team is also played by an asian actor and i was like oh maybe we'll get some perspective from this asian actor who's a member of the mercenary team on this conflict that's happening in asia and all of the like victims uh being uh, you know asian people and then he doesn't say shit for the whole movie yeah, shut the fuck up <laughs> bitch this is rambo yeah we don't have time for perspective <laughs> we just have know. time to see folks get shot yeah uh yeah so the mercs reach the drop-off point. And yeah. They meet a couple uh, characters who are the Karen Rebels. They're 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 young. Like one of them's I I wrote down their names, but um, Minot and 
Ta. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Yeah, we're going to be butchering that. Sorry. Um, but they also, you think they're going to be major players in the movie, and they, they kind of fade into the background again. The like only the major too. players in this movie really end up being the the general warlord guy, Rambo, Sarah, and Michael. Like yeah. Those are really the only names you end up needing to know. <laughs> um, Rambo wants to come along, and, never, and at this point they don't know that Rambo is a is a Vietnam vet, but he's getting some gear from the boat, and Lewis is like being a dick to him, and then is racist um, about about this. He's being a dick to him at first. He's like, "No, you got to stay with the boat. You're the boatman. Stay with the boat." And then he says that he wants a white man staying with the boat, and he uses a slur. He's like, "Oh, I don't want any like whoever like watching my boat. I need a white guy doing it." And I was like. Oh, is he referring to... Excuse me? Is he referring to Stallone's crew? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, I, I forgot that part. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I was having fun with this character, and now you've made him racist. <laughs> and now I'm like, I don't give a fuck if this guy gets blown up later. <laughs> yeah, because he has... Stallone has, like, one or two local local people working on his boat, his crew. But, again, they're not really characters in the movie. Yeah. And they kind of fade into the background. So I did I did forget about that. But, again, Lewis is just establishing himself as the guy that you most want to see get shot in this movie. Yeah, and then later when he does, in fact, get, get got, the movie treats it like it's a sad thing. And I'm like, that guy fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me mourn his death. He was a fucking terrible person anyway so he he doesn't let rambo come along no they the mercs hike on ahead to the village and we get we get some we get the aftermath of the attack and we get some dead cows and some dead bodies and flies buzz around everywhere we get heads on spikes corpses hanging from nooses yeah uh, you know pretty tame compared to the the carnage that we saw beforehand but it is another just like Hey, we want you to feel sad. I will say this is this is maybe a good point to mention this. This movie is insanely violent. Like it's, it's super super violent. And there's also just so much horrific like aftermath imagery that's shown here. And like I've seen a lot of like um extreme cinema. Like I've watched, you know, you and I have both watched Inside. I've seen Martyrs, I've seen, you know, Old Boy and like some of the big staples of like extreme cinema. Um nothing in any of those movies is as fucked up as some of the visuals in this movie which is so weird like martyrs is less fucked up than rambo <laughs> which is wild to me i was like this is like a hollywood blockbuster action movie and we're just like showing all this shit that is like considered like taboo and like f- fucked up if, if you do it in a french horror movie it was it was crazy to me i was i was sort of blown away by some of the and like the visuals didn't like get under my skin necessarily but i was surprised i was surprised yeah i, I will just go ahead and say i did have more fun with this movie than you did yeah but i have it i have a past with it but it is very surprising to me that we both watched inside a movie which is about a woman attacking a pregnant woman yes and breaking into her house and trying to steal her baby out trying of her to belly. steal her baby out of her belly and it is exceedingly violent and we were having the time of our and it is played very seriously yes i think there's probably a degree of black comedy to it but it is it is not the kind of gore fest like a like an evil dead movie or anything like that right this is meant to be a, a mostly serious movie 
we were having the time of our life with that movie. Yes. Because that movie is at least not about a real crime that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the difference for me. Yeah. No, you're right. And and this, I mean, I mean, the events of this movie are fictionalized, obviously, but but it is built around this real world conflict inspired by those atrocities. You know, the the human rights violations depicted in this movie are real things that the military does in 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 Burma. And it's just not fun. It's not I don't need it in my Rambo movie, like yeah. we've said. Also not for nothing, inside everything that bad that happens in that movie happens to a French person and I mean the French. It's yeah, they, it's, they deserve it. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> the, French. Ma, the French. The French. They're, they're barely even people. Really. <laughs> um please, French uh listeners, if there ever are any of you Oh wee oui, wee oui. uh, get the fuck out of here. Stop listening to our this podcast. Is, uh, this is not a safe space for French listeners. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> apparently. Um I apologize to everyone who's offended by that. Um uh, if there is anyone who is offended by that but uh, if you were offended by that then you're french and um you deserve you don't matter to be offended <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so yeah and oh uh, <laughs> the podmaster reminded me that pepito the cat uh on on twitter pepito you know pepito is out pepito is back home uh listeners uh look up pepito the cat if you don't know what i'm talking about um he's french so pepito gets a pass pepito gets a pass, we are pro course. pepito but otherwise we are anti-french so um the army shows up the mercs take cover and the army starts unloading people from the back of this truck and we're just gonna do the beginning again with this minefield bit um but then Rambo swoops in like Legolas and starts firing off this bow. Yes, he kills a bunch of guys with arrows. And this, admittedly, as a person who uh, you may have picked this up, did not enjoy this movie a whole lot. Um, this part fucking rules. I yeah. like him shooting all these guys with arrows. I like him shooting arrows through people's heads and necks. It's cool and good. It's really the first time where we can indulge in the cathartic action movie violence that this movie is uncomfortably pairing up with depictions of of real disturbing violence right it's like finally the movie is saying here you go you can have a little fun and i'm like thank you movie for this morsel of fun you're allowing me to have after depriving me of fun for 45 minutes <laughs> there's this great part where he like gets a guy in the leg with the bow and then he shoots another arrow through his head and then the guy falls into the rice paddy and explodes yeah and that's a good one. That's a good part. Yeah. I like that. That warmed my little heart. Yeah. Um, it's it's great. Um, it's a welcome breath of fresh air in this movie, and uh, it ends with a Mexican standoff between him and the Mercs. Mexican standoff with a bow. We don't get that all that often. Yeah. This is another really great jacked forearm shot when he's pulling the this arrow back to point it directly at Graham McTavish's face, like inches away from his face. And again, I'm like, if I saw that forearm pulling back on that bowstring, I'd be like, that shit's going to go through my, the, the entire arrow is going to go all the way through my head. Yeah. If he lets that go. I think Stallone is, again, is really doing a good job. Yeah. Selling the character with his physical presence, with his facial expressions and the few lines that he does grumble out. Yeah. Through over the course of the movie. Um, and now we get to uh, a, a, a big, a, probably the first really big action sequence of the film, which is the infiltration of the prisoner camp. Yes. 
And uh, at this prisoner camp, most of the military dudes, the bad guys here, um, at least what the movie is telling us are the bad guys. I don't know enough about the actual real world conflict <laughs> to know whether they were that bad or not. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the bad guys uh, are all being distracted by forcing a bunch of women to do a very lame dance with their arms yeah and watching that as entertainment these these women are clearly prisoners that yes. they drug out and are forcing them to dance and it's the worst it's the lamest dance i've ever seen which i assume is because these women are terrified and yeah. don't want to be here yeah what do you think but i was like they're not very entertaining <laughs> yeah i don't know why these guys are losing their mind other than just yeah women who we can you know, assault in a few minutes. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and we cut back to this over the course of the prisoner infiltration and it, it builds up, the crowd gets rowdier and eventually they start yeah. attacking the women. And it's, it's just, there's sexual assault that happens. Uh, this movie did not need to depict violence against women. That is not a thing that this movie had to do, <laughs> you know, like I got from seeing these people, murdered dozens of innocent people earlier in the movie i got that these are the bad guys you know and i just feel like also depicting sexual violence against uh you know um all of the non-white women who appear in this movie was maybe something that sylvester stallone could have not done yeah um so yeah I, I, that's probably all that needs to be said about the the sexual violence against the the women in this movie but i just was i was not pleased that it was included because i don't think it belongs in a rambo movie <laughs> yeah it's 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 redundant it belongs in a different movie and again i'm here for a rambo movie i'm going to I'm going to be rooting for Rambo. Right. You don't need to characterize the villains more than they're evil and they're assholes and they need and they need to die. Yeah. You don't need to keep harping on this over and over throughout the course of the movie. There's another kind of minor cutaway that we get in this scene where Captain Assholes sitting in his is in his hut in his uh, his cabin or whatever. And someone brings a little boy into him and the door just closes and it's, it's clearly like, thank God we don't, this is all we see of this. I was really afraid, honestly, because this movie does go pretty far with a lot of the other stuff. I was really, really afraid that there was going to be some depiction of sexual assault against this child in this movie. And there is not, thankfully, but yeah, no. And, and I was like, Okay, do we did we need does he also have to be a pedo? I get that he's bad. We saw him kill tons of innocent people. We saw him blow up innocent people with landmines twice in this movie. Like but no, he's he's also got to be a, a pedophile because we just have to be super super sure that it's a good thing when John Rambo kills him later or whatever. Yeah, it's I'm glad they didn't do more with it. Yeah. But again, it's totally unnecessary, but conveniently all of the sexual assault provides a nice distraction for our group of mercs and Rambo's sneaking into the camp. Yes. Uh, they kind of jump out, out of the back of this truck one by one. They have a, a schoolboy or whatever, the snipers, like like on a hill keeping watch. Yeah. Um, Rambo eventually locates the prisoner cages. And I should mention that earlier in the movie, we see that the prisoners are like locked up in these bamboo cages. And the army is calling people, selecting people out one by one. And there's these pigs nearby. 
And we get confirmation here that there is a guy strung up who's dead, who's missing his legs because the pigs are eating him. Yes, and I will say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and tread delicately here because we have been talking about how we don't like... I'm these... not going to tread delicately. We... It kind of rocks. It kind of rocks. We've, <laughs> we've been saying we don't really like the depictions of the real life atrocities yeah. here. This this guy is one of the, the one of the white missionaries. Yes. Which I don't know if that makes it better because that's still... I mean, he's still like an innocent guy who didn't do anything. But, but a pig eating someone in a movie is always a thing. That I, Justice Burkett, co-host of the Greatest Movie Ever Made podcast, like to see. Yeah, and I don't know that I've seen it in that many movies. It's not, doesn't happen a lot, but when it happens, I'm having a good time. But yeah, it was, uh, well, and I think it's more implied in that first scene. And I, and I wrote down, like, I don't, are they, are they feeding them to the pigs? What's going on? And then in the, when this scene happened, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I like it when a guy gets the, eaten This scene is... I would like to be eaten by a pig. Yeah, I, I think that would be a, a, a yeah, it'd be a bad way to go, but I'd be happy that the pig would be getting a good meal. Yeah, I agree. I think this sequence is really representative of a lot of the problems and total inconsistencies here with the sexual assaults happening right up against the action movie violence um, in in what is otherwise a pretty cool infiltration sequence. Yeah. So um, he like gets to the guys in the the guys in the bamboo cage, right? It's Michael and some other guy who are left. Right. And he uh, unties Michael and then tells Michael to untie the other guy, right? And then he leaves them because he's basically like, once they're untied, they can't find their own way, own way out of here. And he goes to find Sarah. Uh, yeah. Rambo does. Um, I do think the the this movie's pretty well directed and well edited especially compared to a lot of other action movies of the time. I think we lose a little bit of the locations of the characters and who's doing what in this sequence, especially with cutting back to like the party and cutting back to cut captain assholes cabin. It's also dark and it's hard to tell who's who's at that points. Um, but we had a scene where the sniper takes out some lookouts. Um, and, just as kind of the men start attacking the women in that that party sequence uh most of the mercs kind of come together and they regroup and they have rescued the majority of the missionaries rambo's still on his own going after sarah uh i like this part where lewis just suplexes michael for no fucking reason (laughs) because he wants to get the one other person that's been captured left and lewis is like fuck you we can't go get her yeah um, just, just gonna fucking body slam this guy for no reason at all. Yes. Just to, again, remind you that he is a colossal prick and in this like, fucking movie. God didn't save you. I did. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded Australian. He sounds more English than that. Um, I'm not good at accent work, but yeah, no, he is he's such a fucking dick to him for no reason. He's just like, I'm here to save you, but also fuck you. And, uh, Rambo eventually locates Sarah. She's in this cabin with uh, a guy yes um who is about to sexually assault her because apparently that is just what every guy in the burmese army wants to do every time he sees any woman but rambo's there to save the day and he creeps up behind this dude and literally 
tears a chunk out of this dude's throat. This is the coolest moment of this movie. This is the moment of this movie that I enjoyed the most. Not... I disagree, but we'll get there. Oh, okay. Not that, not that. Well, okay. Yeah. I know what you're going to say. And actually you're right. Okay. This is my second favorite moment of this movie. Um, But yeah, so I do enjoy like the fact that this guy was about to sexually assault Sarah, whatever. <laughs> I guess that has to be in this movie. Um, But Sylvester Stallone grabbing a guy's trachea and barehanded pulling it out of his neck fucking rules <laughs> uh, i also like this part when Ro- rambo and sarah are escaping and a couple a couple guards spot him and uh that sniper who's got like a barrett 50 cal sniper rifle like this is a big ass gun this is a huge gun this is used for like piercing tank armor i'm pretty sure yeah um just blows a dude like 20 feet through the just just blows him back and then he blows literally the top of another guy's head off like yeah like the top part of his skull just flies backward and it, like his head like explodes like a watermelon like it's like the top of it's blown off but then like all of the inside of his head just like shoots out it, it's crazy um and they escape and the army wakes up the next morning hungover and shit fuck the prisoners are gone we spent all night doing awful things to women and now the prisoners are gone we're we were so distracted by our uh rape party (laughs) that we uh we lost the prisoners oops and uh captain asshole stumbles out of his cabin of of sin yes and uh depravity and starts barking orders to his guys and again this guy has had like two lines max that have been subtitled. Mm. And this is part is not one of them because it just doesn't matter. The movie doesn't care about him. Right. Which is fine. I don't care about him either. Fuck him. But we get the impression that he's barking orders to his men and they're going to go search for the mercs. Yeah. So the the uh, Burmese military guys are going through the jungle um, and, and uh, Stallone and co are going back to the boat here, right? And uh, Graham McTavish gets injured somehow. He steps on a mine. That's what happens. He's the only person who steps on a mine in this movie and does not immediately turn into red mist. That's because he's Graham McTavish, man. <laughs> it's that he's got strong Scottish legs. It pisses me the fuck off. I want to see this guy die. Yeah. And uh, he just is mine proof. He does. His leg does get pretty fucked up. Yeah. Uh, they make a stretcher for him. And the Rambo, Rambo, the sniper and Sarah are fleeing kind of separately. Um, and they notice that they're being tracked because they hear dogs barking in the woods. They hear the sounds of the men. Um, so Rambo takes some of Sarah's clothing because he figures that the dogs are tracking her scent. And he takes a a Claymore mine from the sniper guy. Yes. The sniper guy has a Claymore and, uh, Rambo takes that. And he asks him to fire off a shot. So fire off a shot! So, so, the, fire off a shot! so the army will be drawn to him. Um, and Sniper and Sarah take off. And, and uh, Sly is running. He is trying to burn some calories. I was surprised he could move this fast. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. He's uh, really going. He's, 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 he's booking it through these fucking woods. Um, he stumbles across an unexploded bomb that is just sort of hanging out yeah and he hooks up the claymore to it um deus ex bomb yeah and and uh i i think one of the he 
takes off. I don't know what he does to attract the the armies to that spot specifically. Maybe he ties off that rag and and from that he cut off from Sarah's. Yeah, maybe clothing or maybe it was just because the direction that the shot came from. He like knew they would be going through that way or whatever. But yeah, yeah but but this bomb goes off and uh, levels the fucking forest. Yes, good explosion. It is uh, a CG explosion. And some of the CG doesn't look super great. I think it might be a mix of practical and CG here. Yeah. Um, some of the CG in this explosion doesn't look great, but like some of it's actually okay. I think the explosion itself looks pretty good, but some of like the shockwave effects, of, yeah, like, the trees right falling don't don't look so good. And, yeah. and but it is a cool explosion. And Rambo's outrunning it. It's maybe one of the more um, over the top moments in this movie. Right. This feels like it probably belongs in the the other movies. Right. This has a little bit of that like later Die Hard sequel movie thing where it's like this guy's just like indestructible. You know, like you also see that in like the Fast and Furious movies where it's just like no actual human being could survive this, but because this guy's an action icon, he's like got a metal skeleton and is totally fine or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um it's it's, it's it's fun again we fun. I'm, i'll take what fun i can get in yes. this movie this is a movie this is a part of this movie where i was having fun yeah um the sniper and sarah come across captain asshole and they discover that captain asshole and his army have captured a bunch of mercs they've and... reached they've reached the boat they're like at the boat oh they're right at the yeah they're right at the river yeah so like um, the the mercs got back to the boat but then like the the captain asshole and his troops like found them there before they could leave with the boat they maybe couldn't leave with the boat because maybe stallone's the only person who knows no he left his crew there anyway but yeah they've captured him at the boat um and the mercs are just just kicking the shit out of them. yeah just like literally just pounding them to a pulp and then about to shoot them yeah and i was like so what was the point of the beating if you were just gonna shoot him uh and, and i like this they're they're all on the ground and lewis the only guy who has a wound yes. just starts yelling at Captain Asshole like, you fucking pig fucker, whatever <laughs> yeah. he says. Just like he throws off with like this this wonderful string of insults. And um, Captain Asshole has like this switch or this uh, this baton, I can't remember, that he's whipping people with. Yeah. And of course he comes over and just sticks it right into that leg wound. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> good good job, Lewis. Yeah. Pretty, pretty fun moment from Graham McTavish here, yeah. Um, and conveniently, Chekhov's Jeep Mounted 50 Cal <laughs> is stationed nearby. Yes. Um, the, Sarah's like, you, we gotta do something. The sniper's like, I don't know what we can do. Yeah, he's basically like, there's nothing we can do. Like, these guys are gonna fucking die. Like, they're, they're, we have to stay quiet and stay hidden. They're right about to get executed. Yeah. Just, they're right there. Yeah. And then we see Rambo emerge from the woods sneak up behind the gunner on this jeep cuts his head off with not a great looking cgi blood effect but then it doesn't matter because he grabs this 50 cal and he liquefies the jeep the jeep driver <laughs> he fires this 50 cal at m- machine gun at such close range into the front of this jeep that yeah the guy is <laughs> and this is the best part of the movie, it's the best part Justice. Of the movie. It's, it is easily the best part of the movie. The, so, the throat rip is also cool, but this fucking, this is very good. Um, I rewound this part <laughs> eight times. <laughs> There's an, a whole great action sequence that occurs after this. Yeah. But I rewound this eight times because it is the best part. It is like, 
it is like the opening to Beethoven's Fifth. Dun 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 dun. It's like it's yeah. There's a whole song, but this is the part you remember. That's the part you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I will say this is the part that's gonna probably stick with me from this movie. I'm yeah. gonna be like, oh yeah, that that movie that I didn't really like very much with that really fucking cool moment. Yeah, I I actually went frame by frame at one point. My <laughs> I watched this on my PS4, and it allows you to go frame by frame. Um, they blow the fuck out of this dummy. Yeah. I don't think a dummy has been this fucked up in a movie since like the head explosion in scanners. Um, they do this shot. I think he had like three, it looks like he has three cameras running because every time they cut to a new, it's a very brief, this is a very brief sequence. It's like three seconds tops, but every time they cut to a new angle of Stallone, just blowing this dude away it's happening so fast that you don't realize it. But if you watch it frame by frame, it's just showing the dummy getting shot all over again. <laughs> so they each, each cut starts with that pure untainted dummy. Yeah. And then it explodes and his hat just flies straight up in the air <laughs> into the stratosphere every time. Um, it's the reason cinema was invented. It's such a high point in a movie that is otherwise peppered with a lot of low points yeah yeah it is it is a real high point for sure it's it's uh one of the greatest action movie kills i've ever seen um it rips uh of course the guards notice this and rambo just whips this machine gun around and there there are dude chunks all over like the metal shielding yes around the barrel of this gun i did like that i did like that the the gun is just painted with this dude's guts um and and uh, Rambo starts cleaning house. Yeah, he blows people the fuck away. Uh, and there's a bunch of them. We've heard that there's like a hundred guys or something. So there is no shortage of uh, fodder for this machine gun that he's got going. Yeah, there's there's a lot of CGI blood, which yeah. probably looks at the best in this sequence. Um, but he also is like bisecting an entire squad of people with this machine gun yeah he literally blows a few people in half with this thing it's wild uh and the sniper's finally like i i guess i can help you look like you got it covered yeah so he um, starts blowing dudes heads off with that sniper rifle again. He, sh- he shoots a hole through two people and i think it's a, i think those are squibs and that's pretty cool there are some decent squibs in this sequence like there is cgi blood but there's definitely squibs mixed in and when i when i noted the squibs i appreciated them yeah. a lot um and good looking squibs when when the squibs are present and this is another like kind of chaotic and hard to track geographically you know sequence in terms of where different people are located in the action but again it could be a lot worse especially for an action movie at this time where like trying to figure out what's happening in one of the action sequences in the fucking Taken movies is basically impossible. Yeah. And And I will say some of the stunt work here, um, like dudes flying and, uh, you know, falling all over the place and um, all that, like some of the stunt work looks good. Like what the, what the human bodies are doing here. Um, And I just wanted to call out that uh, Chad Stahelski uh, who directed John Wick. My personal friend, Chad Stahelski did the stunt work on this. He's a stunt coordinator on this movie. Fucking King. Which when I saw his name in the credits, I was like, well, that's why that sequence looks so good is because he had fucking Chad Stahelski on set. God damn. Telling people how to fall and roll and all that shit so yeah no some of it looks really really good um because one of the greatest to to do stunt work was (laughs) in charge of stunts on this movie yeah um and it's it's more about portraying just like the chaos of and the carnage again i think than doing any sort of 
choreographed action action sequence. It's just the most brutal. It's the most brutal turret section of any video game. Oh yeah. Um. There's this bit where Lewis headbutts a guy to death. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Okay. You know, I like you a little bit more. You're still an asshole, but you, you <laughs> killed the guy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> after firing this gun for five straight minutes, there's this tense sequence where Rambo runs, runs out, out of bullets. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. And has to reload. And then there's uh, thankfully more ammo in the Jeep. So he's like loading it up. And while he's loading it up, I think this is when the, the car and rebels show up. Yeah. There's essentially like it, the, the, the cavalry comes. It's, it's like the scene in uh, the two towers where they think that they're fucked and then uh, Gandalf shows up with the riders of Rohan. It's like, oh, now there's more, more there's more good guys here. They just showed up. Um, and actually, like, one of the guys from earlier who was, like, one of their guides um, who was affiliated with the Karin Rebels is kind of leading them. So that guy kind of left the movie and shows back up with reinforcements here is the situation. And they, they start coming in and helping the fight and blowing people away. It's really easy for Stallone on his uh, 50 cal to tell who's a good guy and who's a bad guy because all the bad guys are in military uniforms. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, if there's a guy who's in regular clothes don't shoot him but if there's a guy who's in military fatigues fucking go to town um so yeah there's an insert where uh michael grabs a rock and bludgeons a guy to death yeah yeah the, the christian has given in to his bloodlust yeah and earlier he was very much like all killing is wrong under all circumstances so this is like kind of like a thing for his character it's, it's, I guess. it's an arc question mark it's an arc it's an arc where a guy <laughs> who seemed like a relatively decent human being just uh lets the violence of a situation overtake him i guess and that's the movie is saying that that is something yeah <laughs> um, um a boat shows up on the river that has like a, another mounted gun and a flamethrower yeah i think rambo gets takes a little bit of he he gets grazed by this thing or something yes. like he sh- and shrugs it off um and then he guns down everyone in that boat basically rips the boat apart a truck shows up he wastes all the dudes in the truck before they could even jump out the back basically um oh and the uh the sniper kills the boat gunner and i did slow this part down too and that is a practical head explosion nice we love um, that um yeah i don't just a lot of folks die i don't i don't know what else to talk about this specific part of the scene yeah you know what i was just thinking about is uh i have the subtitles on in this movie and um the the karen rebels who again were a real uh faction in this in this real life conflict um but it is spelled anglicized when it when it's spelled anglicized like in english it's spelled uh k-a-r-e-n and i was just kind of imagining what if this was a, the karen rebels and it was just an army of karens and it was just like a bunch <laughs> of white women with like short haircuts and like these are my sons brayden and camden and you know and it's just like these are the that that it, this is the insurgent faction is is just a bunch of ladies who want to talk to a manager i don't fucking know <laughs> i didn't think of making that joke um well i'm making it now baby yeah it's almost for, the end of the podcast thanks for taking up the slack <laughs> oh man um yeah i don't know if there's much else to say about this point but we do uh we do finally kill captain asshole yeah he... uh captain asshole's booking it and rambo's hiding behind a tree and shoves that machete right into his stomach yes uh he slices his stomach open and like his the captain's kind of like reaching down to grab something at the same time and this machete goes into his stomach cuts across and cuts some of captain asshole's fingers off which is kind of wicked it's cgi yeah but it but it's one of the 
better looking CGI it's a blood moments in this film. Decent looking CGI gutting. Um, and and a fitting end for this very reprehensible character. Yeah. You know, like it's this is the the kind of death you wanted to see this guy yeah. have. So so he, so he falls to the ground and then Rambo kicks him down a hill, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yes, and then like that's pretty much the end of the sequence, and Rambo is then standing up on top of this hill, surveying the carnage that has occurred. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, Sarah is looking for Michael. She wants to make sure that he made it. Um, I think a couple of the mercs are dead at this point. But, yeah, but Lewis dies. Lewis does die. Okay, I tracked the uh, the Asian guy that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think I know he dies. I think Lewis dies here. So he like lived through most of the fight, but I think is succumbing to his injuries here. And I'm pretty sure he dies. And again, in that moment, I was like, I don't care. This guy fucking sucks. Yeah. He was racist earlier. I, oh. I don't feel anything. Oh no, my favorite this. characters, yeah. the mercenaries. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, um, yeah, so then, like, Sarah finds Michael, they're reunited, they have a little hug, even though they're not romantically involved as far as we can tell, um, but they're happy, you know, that they didn't, um, die. Uh, and yeah, Rambo is kind of standing here on top of this hill, he's kind of looking down at Sarah, and she's kind of looking up at him, and there's, like, a little moment where you maybe feel like Rambo has learned something from this experience, I'm not sure what it is. (laughs) Yeah, I think he gives her like I think she waves to him. He gives gives her kind of a nod, and yeah, that's that's the end of the the Burma section of the movie. Yes, then that's, there's a little little epilogue. We get a little epilogue where um, Rambo's come back to the U.S. and I think so. I think he has learned something. Yeah, because it previously in the movie he's doesn't want to go back to his home he doesn't want to go back to the u.s right and he does say earlier in the movie like sarah asks do you have any family and he says i don't know a father somewhere maybe yeah is what he says um but he's walking around he's walking along a road in his army jacket with a duffel bag slung over his shoulder slung over his shoulder yeah which is how we first see him in first blood yeah and it is it is very much like veteran returning home from war type of uh visual here which which is precisely what they do in first blood it's a nice it's a nice little callback this movie and i think the series overall does a pretty good job of not falling into the kind of nostalgia bait that a lot of movies do now um, so I think that's a nice little subtle reference. Yeah, and he's like, uh, he's walking to his like family ranch, I guess. I'm yeah. assuming this is back in his hometown in Arizona. This is in Arizona. Yeah. And um, we get this wide shot of him walking down this very long dirt road to his house. And uh, he can find peace. You know, he can finally find some peace for now until they make a fifth movie (laughs) and what do you think his conversation with his dad's gonna be when he shows up at the family ranch like oh hey dad i know it's been a while i just (laughs) literally a couple weeks ago killed 84 people with my i ripped a guy's throat out with my bare hands i figured i'd see what's going on here see if i can help out with the horses or whatever the fuck yeah (laughs) his dad's not in the fifth movie and i don't even know if he's referenced or anything i've only seen the fifth one hi dad i'm a a cold-blooded killer i've committed so many war crimes can (laughs) i hang out for a while do you got a bed for me to sleep in and with that we close rambo yeah that's rambo we roll credits on rambo um so justice uh i hate to spring this question on you (sighs) yeah I, you know i don't want to i don't want to surprise you here okay is rambo directed by sylvester stallone the greatest movie ever made no no it's no it's not
it's it's not the greatest movie ever made um rambo this movie as you have picked up on i i had some problems with it i think it came across in the podcast like i disliked this movie more than i actually did there were some things in here that i enjoyed i tried to call out like sequences and visuals that i enjoyed but overall the tone is so uneven it it doesn't know how it wants me as the viewer to feel about violence does this movie think violence is awesome and fun does it think violence is terrible and reprehensible is it trying to have its cake and eat it too i think a little bit right and as a result i think it comes across um kind of confused um and uh problematic at times and no i don't think this movie is the greatest movie ever made um i don't think it's the worst movie ever made but i definitely don't think that it's even close (laughs) to the heights of uh some of the films that um we will be talking about on this podcast and it definitely doesn't come anywhere close to uh the last two films that we've talked about at least in my mind um what about you david is uh is rambo 2008 the greatest movie ever made i'm gonna say no i really like this series and I think this is clearly the second best movie behind First Blood. I think Stallone does a really good job in the role. I think it's well directed. But on this watch in particular, it really sank in about how much this movie is struggling with the political themes, struggling with the treatment of violence. And it's really hard to stomach this in a modern Rambo movie. Again, as opposed to the stuff from the 80s, where I can look at that with a little bit of distance. It's it's challenging. And I would argue that Rambo Last Blood, which focuses on a conflict with Mexican cartels, is even more challenging to stomach. Um, that being said, I still think it's good. I still think it's it's a pretty good time overall. But I will say your mileage may vary if you're interested in watching it. For me, this is also kind of a what I would call a YouTube movie. What that means is I've watched it at this point a couple of times. If I'm in the mood to go back and rewatch this, I'm going to go onto YouTube and type in Rambo 50 Cal scene. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to watch. Yeah. I think I think if you are uh, someone listening to this podcast and this movie doesn't sound like it's for you, but you are a fan of like action movie violence, like do what David is saying and just look up that scene cuz that's really like the the good part of this movie (laughs) and i would say the same thing about rambo last blood too the fifth one more again even more so than this one last blood is kind of a serious unpleasant grim drama that in the last 20 minutes just turns into the most violent shit you've ever seen and it rules um but i will just watch that scene on youtube as opposed to watching the movie again um so that's rambo that's rambo and that closes another episode of the podcast next week we are taking a a huge tonal shift away from the (laughs) war-torn jungles of burma swinging that pendulum right back to silly town we are watching a knight's tale from 2001 directed by brian helgeland and this is gonna be such a fun podcast i've never seen it this is gonna be my first time with a knight's tale Uh, i rewatched it recently And I'm very excited to watch it again and talk about it. So we hope that you'll join us for that. And take care of yourselves. We love you. And uh, have a good one. Yeah. Later, dipshits. Later, dipshits. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Greatest Movie Ever Made. Please remember to leave us a rating and a review, and to subscribe to the show wherever you listen. We appreciate you supporting the show and spreading the word. Tell your friends to listen, tell your enemies to listen, tell your mom to listen. If your neighbor has an unsecured Bluetooth speaker, connect to it and play an episode. You can follow us on social media at TGMEM underscore podcast. And if you've got a movie that you want us to talk about, send us an email at thegreatestmoviepodcast at gmail.com.